I wrote this book when my daughter was about eight years old, when she was really begging us to get a dog. Every single day she was, I saw her wishing on every star for a dog. Podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. If you consider your dog a family member, then this podcast is for you. Let's celebrate the love and connection we have with our dogs. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. This is a place for us to connect in the joy of loving our dogs, and also a place where you know you're not alone in the difficult times or in the sadness of missing a dog that was an important part of your life. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 25 of the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host, Erin Scott, and thank you so much for being here today. I got to do something really fun a couple days ago. I did a Facebook Live interview with James Jacobson from the Dog Podcast Network. I'll post a link in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. I told some of my backstory about being a reluctant dog owner back in 2004 when it was my husband who was really pushing the issue of wanting to get a dog, and then that led to our first dog, Lucy. And I think about it a lot, more than you'd probably think I do about how grateful I am to my husband for wanting to get that dog and how grateful I am to Lucy for just being exactly what I needed, exactly when I needed it. And if you listen to episode one of the podcast, I tell more of the story, but I'm so grateful to Lucy because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have had any of the things that came after her, any of the other amazing dogs, the amazing friends, the amazing experiences that I've gotten to have. And I wouldn't be here sharing with you today. And I'm so excited for you to hear this interview with Margaret Sturmeyer, author of the children's book, What to Know Before You Get Your Dog. Margaret was inspired to write this book after her daughter's own, quote unquote, relentless campaign for a dog of her own. And I love that term, relentless campaign, so much. I can definitely remember my younger brother and I having a relentless campaign of our own for a dog. I was probably about nine or 10 years old, which would have made my brother Patrick about four or five years old. And we had a cousin and my cousin's wife who had a little dog, maybe like a Cocker Spaniel mix, if I'm remembering correctly. And his name was Boomer. And we got to dog sit Boomer for a week while my cousin and his wife went away. And oh my gosh, Patrick and I were just like, oh my God, we really wanted to have a dog. We really wanted to have that best friend. We really wanted to have somebody to snuggle with. We wanted all the things. But my parents never did give in. And I think after that, I decided, well, fine, I don't want a dog then. I don't even like dogs. And I think I was still kind of in that phase (laughs) all the way up until my husband said, we're getting Lucy. But fortunately for Margaret's daughter, Margaret and her husband did let Kira end up getting her dog of her own. So Margaret's going to tell us that story, and she's also going to share with us about her childhood experiences with animals. Margaret actually grew up in Austria, and so we talk some about pet ownership in Austria. And then Margaret shares with us about Kira's relentless campaign for a dog of her own, 
And then the unexpected challenges that they encountered when trying to get the dog for Kira. Margaret tells us about all of the research and preparations that they did to get their family ready for caring for a toy breed. And a lot of what Margaret and her family have learned about the challenges and also the great rewards of having Scruffy, the toy breed Pomeranian, join their family. So let's get started with Margaret Strohmeyer, author of What to Know Before You Get Your Dog. So I'm here today with Margaret Strohmeyer, who wrote the book What to Know Before Getting Your Dog. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Erin. How are you? I'm doing good, thanks. I'm so excited to hear your story because I love that your daughter inspired you to write this book. And I always like to start out by asking, uh, did you have pets growing up or have you always been an animal lover? I have always been an animal lover and I always had pets growing up. I fell in love with, with dogs when I was very little. I was about six years old, living back in Austria. And um, when I overheard a conversation in a, in a grocery store that a German Shepherd puppy needed a home immediately because the family was moving and they couldn't take this puppy with them. So my heart just dropped right there. And I was begging my parents to go and save their dog. And I promised them the world. I would have done anything at that point to get this dog. And un unfortunately, I have and I had the most wonderful parents, the most understanding parents, and they agreed to go find more out about the dog. So we went there and we looked at him. And when, when I saw this pup, he, he looked like a little black bear. He was adorable. We all fell in love with this dog. And we decided to adopt him. And I would never recommend to anyone just adopting a dog like this without knowing what's involved. And, and especially, you know, um, if you never had a dog before, but my parents always had dogs, so they knew how to care for a dog and they were willing to take on that responsibility. And I, I never forgot that, forget that moment when we brought him home. He was tiny. I, I was tiny too. I was six years old. And, but he was my everything. He was my best friend, my playmate, my protector. And he grew. He ended up being taller at one point almost than I was. <laughs> but I, he was always there for me. When I was sad, he was there. He was cheering me up and, and he made me smile all the time. I learned so much from him at a very early age, what it means to care for a dog. And and that is a lot of work to, to, to care for a dog as well, but it is so rewarding and so wonderful. So yes, that was my, my first dog, but we also had cats and we had, we had rabbits. We had, we were known as like, if, if, if a dog or a pet showed up in front of our doorstep, we would adopt that. So yes, I, I was lucky. I always grew up with animals and I, I love them. Oh, what was your dog's name? Tasso. Oh, does that translate to anything? Um, I don't, I don't think so, but it was just the name, the dog that, I don't know. I think we named the dog like this. Yeah. That was the dog we picked for our black German shepherd, uh, puppy who was, who grew up to be a really tall German shepherd dog, but amazing an amazing dog. I don't know much about Austria. Is it very common as pet ownership? as common uh, over there as it is in America? It is very common and it became uh, much more common in, in the recent years. But I remember growing up, dogs are allowed everywhere. We bring them to restaurants, they go in hotels, you not even ask. I mean, you just bring them. So um, it was 
so easy having a dog there consider it when here in the united states you know sometimes you can't bring dog places you always have to ask or or you have to leave them at home but yes very common people love dogs kids grow up with, with with dogs almost almost in every household at least when i was younger that's wonderful i love that it's even more acceptable to bring your dog <laughs> yes it is very acceptable so how old were you when you moved to the us I moved to the U.S. when I was about 20. I, I came to study uh, interior design and architecture. I was supposed to just move for, you know, uh, a few years and go back. And I, I ended up working here, staying here, falling in love with, with America and, and the people and everyone. I love it here. It's a beautiful place. When you met your husband, I assume you met him here. I met him here, correct. And did you guys have pets uh, before you had your daughter? Yes, that was our for our yeah, We had a golden retriever. That was our first baby, um, named Cosette, and uh, we had another golden retriever named Fantine, and and now we have our Scruffy. And so, uh, how old was your daughter when she started her relentless campaign? I love that term. <laughs> She was about, yeah, she was about seven, eight years old when she was, we had a golden retriever at that point, but she really wanted to have her own dog. And we, we read a lot. She knew almost every dog breed at that age. And we, we read dog stories every night and, and other stories, but she really, really wanted her own own little toy breed it had to be a small dog which she could care for and which she could um love and care for and just be responsible for it so she she was she would have done everything it, it reminded me when i was a little girl i promised the world to get to get my german shepherd puppy but she was really every single day she was i saw her wishing on every star for a dog every every wish she had was she wants to get her own dog and she started reading about it and we ended up buying her books about small breed dogs so yeah she she was very very much into it and so how long was it until you guys gave it and decided to get the dog? Uh, well, it um, it took a, it took her a couple of years because since she was so much into getting a, a toy breed dog and we we were not used to i had no experience with small dogs we were we, we had larger dogs in our lives so we had to do a lot of research and we had to do a lot of uh, finding out first of all where can we get that small breed dog she wanted a toy pomeranian so we went to, to order the local shelters not just local we went all over to shelters finding that specific dog she really want. And many of those places would not even have given us a dog when they're, especially having a child who was eight years old. Uh, they said the child is still too young. The dogs are so delicate and small because when we get, when, when you get those dogs, they are like a pound. Oh, one, like one pound. They're so tiny, right? Wow. So we ended up finding um, a breeder, an amazing breeder, who said, you know, when, when Kira is 10 years old, uh, she will, she could, if she's very responsible, and we, are, we, we, we know her that she was at this point. So uh, we ended up getting her that toy breed when she was 10 years old. But we, in the meantime, we educated ourselves. Uh, she educated herself. We, we went to 
to other people who had smaller breed dogs to, to learn and see how it is because um, it's a different experience and a different way of, of caring for one. Wow. I mean, I can't even <laughs> imagine because all of my dogs have always been 50 pounds or more and, you know, a couple years old, usually when we've adopted them. So I'm just, I can't even picture what like a one pound. <laughs> yeah, she was tiny. And, and when we, we got her, she, she came from California and, and the breeders, they are amazing and we're still in contact and they always here for us if we need any any help or if you have any questions and uh, so they're basically a puppy nanny had to fly her to to connecticut where we are but she was literally bound and wow. she needs to be fed every like half an hour to an hour because of the sugar level in those small dogs so it has to stay balanced and it was a big deal and uh they, they had the size of my palm and it's, it's totally different yes and so you actually had a puppy nanny who took the dog from California, like on the plane, I, I would imagine, yes, to, yes. Out to Connecticut. Wow. I've never even heard of that. Well, you know what it is. It's um, it's a better way of bringing the dog because I wasn't, I mean, we would have gone and pick her up, of course, but I wasn't sure if I know how to care for her on an airplane because they are used to it. They know how to deal and and, and handle a dog on a plane. It is still a you know, a five, six hour plane ride. And so we preferred that road and it worked really well. No, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know much about the toy breeds. So are there any other specific things that you have to learn to care for them? I mean, they're, you know, just, I'm just thinking like, you know, my dogs, if they eat a couple M&Ms, you know, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> Yes, that that was that was another thing with, like you said, with M and M's, um, a tiny little tiny little chocolate chip. We thought fell on the floor once, or it was it was on the floor. We weren't sure if our, our, our dog ate it or not. Uh, we had to take her to the emergency room because chocolate has a chemical in there, and it can be very harmful to to small breed dogs, especially if. If they eat a lot of it, so we, we had to we had to call our vet, and the vet said we should go to the emergency room just for in case to make sure she's fine. She was only about two pounds at that at that mm -hmm. age at that point, and we brought her to the emergency room. They called poison control, and we we brought in the ingredients, the bag of the the chocolate. So we had the ingredients, and then she did. If anything, if she even ate that one, something fell and we're not sure if she got it or not, but she was chewing something. So she was fine with one little chip, but if she would have consumed several, that could have been a real problem for her. Wow. And you don't think about it if the dog is big. I never thought of this. Really? I mean, it's just because she's only two pounds or, you know, so that's why chocolate or even chewing gum can be, it's the same thing. Some of the chewing gums, they have the toxic, the, the, they have toxic in there, like the sugarless gums, it's called the, the um, salitol, yes. and which is, which is used in sugarless gum. And, and only, I think, two pieces of that sugar-free sweetened chewing gum could cause low blood sugar in a 10 pound dog. So if the dog is only two pounds, then you know, half of that gum could really cause a real problem. Wow, yeah. So what about like toys? I guess, do you have to be very careful about like what toys or what they chew on? 
uh, yeah, same thing. They everything is a choking hazard. So I, I literally we go down to the floor. We make sure the house is is baby proofed, so to speak. There are no small toys. The larger toys are okay because she can't really choke on them. But anything small. Um, so when they're let's say when they're little, that's why breeders don't want to give those toy breed dogs or pets to to small kids because they have tiny little items or they have little rings and and puppies are so curious they want to just they want they want to see everything they want to chew on everything when she get now she's older she's much better but i still when i walk her it's just a habit i literally just look always about three feet ahead where we are walking with my with my other dogs i don't have to do that we just walk i, I look <laughs> forward and i look at people's faces here i just literally look down making sure there is no chocolate on the floor there's no chewing gum or, or something she could pick up and it could actually be a problem but this is just about, like i said for the very like you know three four the really small breed the very right. small dogs so how much does she weigh as now that she's full grown? She's like five pounds, five and a half. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's still so tiny. <laughs> it's still so, so it's, it's wonderful though, because I can just carry her around. She loves to, you know, small breed dogs, they grown for companionship primarily, but they are amazing watchdogs. She would hear everything. Uh, she, someone is in our driveway, it, she would, she would hear it and she would allow me and um, the most amazing uh, watchdog, but so sweet and easy to, to take everywhere. So do her and your daughter just have the greatest relationship? They do. They have an amazing relationship. They have bonded. It's, it's been the best experience for, for all of us. Uh, my daughter learned so much from, from this dog. And I guess uh, our Scruffy learned a lot from us. But we all, we all, we always learn from each other. I think it's just one of those things. Every kid, every every person can learn from from a dog. I would say, if they're willing to to listen and to to look. Yes, I mean, my dogs have been some of the greatest teachers in my life. <laughs> yeah. So when did you decide? Have you always wanted to write a children's book, or, or how did that come about? Oh, no, I, I, I wrote this book when my daughter was about eight years old, when she was really begging us to get a dog. So I started writing this manuscript because I wanted to make sure that she knows uh, in, an, in an easy way every step which is involved to take care of a dog, not just the responsibilities, but also the choice and, and how much love you get out of it having a dog. And, and so I went to bookstores looking for a book which teaches smaller children and like in somehow in an easy way to to read and 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 find out what needs to be done every day and i couldn't find anything which fit for us so i ended up writing this and that was a tool we've been using before she she got her dog and and then um, she got her dog and i didn't think much of it anymore until until COVID hit, and then I, I, I realized that so many people are getting dogs right. during that time, and so many families are getting children a dog because they're home, they have time now, or they don't want to be alone, or they want a, a dog who protects them during difficult times. And I was thinking, oh, what will happen when COVID is over? And so that gave me 
another mission to to actually publish this book and finish this book. Oh, that's really wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and it also earlier when my daughter was eight, I saw that was another reason. I saw a lot of parents they buy children a pet for Christmas or for as, as a gift. And they really don't know what's involved in caring for a dog. And then unfortunately, sometimes those pets need to be rehomed because the family is not aware of the responsibilities or they can't handle it. And that's always such a stressful situation for everyone, for everyone involved, but it's primarily for, for the pet, primarily for the dog right. has to be rehomed. Right, right. No, that that's such such an important point and about making sure everybody's on the same page with what the expectations are. Right. Did you, I was curious, I love the illustrations in the book and I actually saw that there is a dog in the background that kind of looks like Scruffy. Did you know the, the person who's the illustrator or was that something that like was hooked up, you know, through like a publisher or... No, I, all those dogs are actually my dogs uh, oh. in, in, in this book because I, I hired the illustrator. She's Claudia Gadotti is an amazing illustrator. She lives in New Zealand. And I ended up, because I really wanted to make sure um, I, have, I had this vision for this book. I wanted to have the right illustration with this manuscript. So, yes, there's my German Shepherd in there, my Golden Retriever, oh. um, and then Scruffy is in there. And, and, and yeah, so... Oh, I love that. I, I kind of send pictures of my dogs. So it yes. Well, I love that as a tribute to them. It's a, it's a tribute to them. And when I see the book, I feel like it. Um, and those are all amazing dogs. So I figured it's a good fit. I love that. Uh, so the book is very thorough when I was going through. I mean, you cover going to the vet, you cover playing, exercise, you know, enrichment that, you know, if you're not careful, your dog will be chewing on your shoe. I, I thought that was like, that's a, such a perfect illustration. <laughs> um, and I even had to laugh. I, my inner 12 year old sense of humor is always like, are we going to have poop in here? <laughs> <laughs> and so I did like you even cover the poop and that's a really important point. And, and that's something that I can remember when I was a kid and, and trying my campaign that was quite unsuccessful <laughs> that my mom was like, I'm not going to be out there picking up that poop. And I know you're not either. <laughs> it's it's so true right <laughs> it's part of the of the taking care of of a dog i guess picking up after a dog i was so glad to see that in there as funny as that may sound because that is important for children to think about that's right yes and I love, uh, if you go to your website, I know uh, parents can download a dog care contract and also a chore chart. And I want, I'll make sure I put links to that in the show note because I thought that was a really cool idea. Do you have a specific age in mind, you know, like an age range for the book uh, for children? Uh, the age range for this book is from three to eight years because that's how kids could actually read it. But I think even, I mean, I've showed it to adults and older kids and they all, they all love it. And they say yes. they can learn a lot about it. It's a reminder even for, for adults that, yeah, this is really a lot we have to do, but there is so much joy we're getting out at the end of the day. So, but I think children, the age of three to eight will be able to eventually read this book on their own. 
Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I was even thinking with the organization I volunteer with, we do humane education where we talk to children in schools about kindness to animals. And we do a lot with like how to greet a dog. One of our, our big points is just how much our pets have in common with us. You know, they need to go the, to the vet. They need, you know, a healthy diet. They need to play. I just really loved how how that included everything that we include in our humane education curriculum. (laughs) That is right. And so the book is now available on Amazon.com. I'll make sure that I put links to that in the show notes also and to your Instagram so if people can follow you. Do you share some of the illustrations on your Instagram? I, I did post uh, several illustrations, yes. I, I, I have to do more. I should be a little bit more on social media, which I just have not done yet, but I will. I will. And so one of the things that I, I really like with animals and that your book is really teaching children about responsibility and giving them jobs to do and, and expectations. And did your daughter, did you ever have any problems once she got Scruffy? Like she just already knew what to do or was there any learning curve there? She kind of knew what she had to do because we had a dog before. The learning curve was, I guess, for all of us. Um, just uh, dealing with a smaller dog, giving giving a smaller dog a bath is different than giving a, a, a golden retriever a bath. So we have to have a little bath stop and a little shower, and you know it's it's. But she pretty much knew what what needed to be done. Many things she couldn't do yet because she was too young, and and but she could take on on many many other things. She could completely be fully responsible for. How do you give him a bath? Is it just in the sink? Yeah, I have in in my laundry room, I have a special doggy shower with a sink. So I just put her right in there. (laughs) Yeah, it's always a hassle here at at our house. (laughs) And she she doesn't like it. She does not like the blow dryer. She does not like being blow dried, but the bath is okay. First time I was graphic at a bath, she looked like a, a mouse or so because she was so tiny and she's all fur and then suddenly she's soaking wet and there's nothing here, just like a little body, but it was so cute. <laughs> have you ever lost her? That was one of the things I was wondering if they're so little. <laughs> we have we have lost her in our fenced property. Um, we just, we fenced in and uh fully safe she could not escape but we couldn't find her we, oh. we called her it, it was it's the scariest moment yes. you think about it it's not even a big area it's really tiny and we were all outside and suddenly she was she was hiding behind a bush and you know <laughs> we just couldn't see her and one time she fell into the swimming pool uh mm-hmm. i watched her because this uh, this breed they 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 don't like to swim and she really can't swim we try we try to teach her how to swim so if she falls in, she knows what needs to be done. But I, I watched her. She, she was uh, at the corner at the edge of the pool and there was a leaf in there and she wanted to get that leaf out. And she was trying to just get it Aww. and suddenly just flipped over and fell right in there. <laughs> I know, it's like heartbreaking. It's good. I mean, I was right there, so I, I got her out. But yeah, it's those things you constantly have to watch them. Wow. Well, my golden retriever just jumps in and goes swimming and, or the German shepherd, they just swim and you never have to worry about that. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I had just never thought of these things before, uh, either because yeah, cause my dogs have always have always been so much bigger. Uh, what about when you go away or like, does she ever go to like a doggy daycare? 
do you have to look for somebody who's really experienced? Yes, finding a dog sitter um, could be a challenge because most professional dog sitters, they care for, for several dogs, not just for one dog. And most of those are larger dogs or at least larger than them pounds. And then when you have a dog who is only five pounds, they cannot play together. So that was a challenge. And I went to a lot of, um, first I was looking for someone who can come to our house or, or I can bring the dog just to one place. So I was lucky I found someone who has been taking care of her every time I travel. And she has also a Pomeranian and another small dog breed. So I'm extremely fortunate. But there was a time in between where she traveled and I needed someone. And I looked to, you know, the puppy daycares and, and, and puppy hotels in our area, which came highly recommended. And um, many of those places wouldn't even take on a dog who is that small because it's the the liability uh, the dog can't just get hurt there. She was just way too tiny. Oh, wow. Yeah, I never thought about that because I, I do know a lot of people who do doggy daycares. And, but, yeah, I guess they don't take the the really small ones. <laughs> and they, they may. It depends where you are. It's just the ones I check. They said, you know, I mean, there are probably places where they separate the really small ones. But in, in that case where I went, um, ours was still way too delicate. And she was a little bit scared in there. I brought her in just to check it out. She was just overwhelmed by all the big dogs. So I was like, no, that's not a good fit for you. I can just picture, like, you know, sometimes they shake, you know, the really small dogs will yeah, start shaking. Know, that's, they, what yeah, I'm that's true. And, and But she's fearful. She's actually, she's pretty, I mean, small dogs, they think they're much bigger than they are. <laughs> so uh, she's usually not. Not scared, but when there are five, six larger dogs around her, um, it's a little bit intimidating for her. Right. <laughs> Is she one of those mouthy, mouthy little dogs? <laughs> My husband and I always joke, it's always the little guys. <laughs> they are very vocal um, at times when when you don't want them to be vocal. <laughs> but she's trained such way that when we go out and I've been taking her everywhere, I so we socialized her, which is extremely important for every dog that they are socialized the, the first six months to a year while they are growing up. We mm. took her everywhere. We, we literally, and my daughter, I have to give a lot of credit. She did a lot of different games, um, different experiences with her. And uh, she, she played with her like kids play. And uh, so she is, when we are out with her, she is amazing. She does not make a sound. She can go to a restaurant without, with us. We're sitting outdoors. She would sit it on on a blanket next to us on the chair she would not make a sound but at home in our house or if we drive if she's in our car and she sees something or hears something she'd be very vocal she would <laughs> bark and and not stop until we give her the okay or if we say it's fine i love i love that that's just universal you know like Dogs are just, again, just such lessons for us that like, it doesn't matter what they look like, what size they are, what color they are, you know, it's like they all just need the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I always think there's such a lesson in that for us. That is so true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Do you have any favorite lessons that you guys have learned from Scruffy being in your lives? I think every day we learn uh, what it means to be to be patient and <laughs> and to to be gentle with each other and to listen and to listen to body language 
because she dogs, smaller dogs, they show us, they mean they, they dog with a body. So it's the same with people, I guess, you know, you, you don't just assume you kind of wait for a second, you, you listen and, and you watch how do people react. So I think uh, we all learned how to be patient and how, how much love we can get if, if, if a person opens up their heart to a, to a dog, I think they get everything they want out of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I feel like, you know, the more that you open your heart, like the more that you let them in, the more they'll even give back to you. <laughs> it's, it's every day a giving back. I totally agree. Yes. Yeah. They've, um, I, you know, I always say like they have been healers and teachers and inspirations in my life. And I, I just loved your story because I could see so many of those elements with your family and, and your life too, that she's inspired you to write this book. And, and I just, it's so beautiful to me <laughs> and I really love your story. Yeah. And it, it teaches, I mean, our dog, like I said, it, it, my daughter, I mean, it teaches, for instance, when a child teaches a dog a trick, um, they have to be patient because, you know, especially puppies or younger dogs, they have to do it over and over again. And uh, or taking a puppy to a, a class is wonderful for kids also because they will learn with the dog on how to train a puppy and then how they can participate at home with the dog uh, in doing those tricks they learned in school. So and it, it teaches a child a lot of social skills and uh, it teaches loyalty and respect. So I think kids, they can learn at a very early age how how to care for one dog and and they will have it much easier throughout their life when they take on those responsibilities. Yeah, there's so many, yeah, benefits to children and families, you know, have, having a dog. And I've even seen things even about like the physical health, like children raised with dogs have less allergies or, you know, just the life lessons and even just having your, your best friend, you know, is like that, that emotional and mental benefit also. And I mean, it's a responsibility, but there are, there is so much that you're getting out of it also. Yes, you get so much out of it. And I think yeah, every dog, every, every dog should have an amazing home. Every, every home should have a, a dog, but only if the family is ready for it, you know, right. it's not just, I mean, they have to be prepared. They have to be educated and they have to be willing to think ahead for the next 15 years or so to be here for the dog and give the dog their everything. And I definitely think your book is like such a great starting out point for having those kinds of conversations. It's a good conversation starter. And it also gives parents who go through the same thing I went through where the children are begging them to get a dog. It gives them an opportunity to say, okay, I'm listening. Let's see how can we make this work so they can i started reading to my daughter every day you know the manuscript of this book and then i also signed my daughter when she was old i signed her up for uh, volunteer classes at local shelters i i looked for people who had small breed dogs and i said can my can we come over you know once a week or so and play with your dog or so it's good for children to, to be prepared and to learn prior of getting a dog. This will, this way they know um, if they are actually, if they want to do this for right. the rest of the dog's life, not just right. for a couple of months, because sometimes, you know, the kids, they, they, they want something and, and a, f a few months later, 
it all wears off and they right. are not interested in it anymore. Right, right. Like that favorite toy or something exactly. that goes in the dusty corner. Right? But yeah, it's very different with a dog. Oh, I think you had a story too about when you were trying to travel, uh, bring Scruffy to travel and, and with COVID. And I thought that was a really interesting story because I had never thought about trying to travel um, with my dog before. That That is so true. When, uh, when COVID hit, I was thinking, you know, maybe um, we all should just go to Austria. And uh, so I figured I obviously have to bring my, my dog because we, we, can't, we can't travel without our dogs. So uh, I went to the vet and um, I needed a travel passport. Uh, so how do I get a travel passport? You know, it, it's not just something you get within a couple of days. This could take several months. It could take up to six months because you need a health certificate. You need the uh, USDA endorsements. You need, you need to make sure the dog is microchipped, which most dogs are anyway and ours was. Um, rabies titer tests even though she has rabies some countries require did you do a titer test about three months prior to departure especially with the titer that test i mean to qualify for travel uh, what i learned was like the blood test result must show that the bed's uh, vaccination was successful and usually like i said three months prior to departure, you have to get that blood sample and it has to be approved. So I will um, tell everyone, get started as soon as possible. The process could take uh, from several weeks to several months, depending on the requirements and the destination country. Wow. And then, of course, talk to your veterinarian. But it's, it's a long process. Yeah, I had never heard of a travel passport before <laughs> for my dog. <laughs> If you want to go overseas, yeah, if you want to travel on a plane overseas, every country has different requirements. You guys ended up not going, is that we correct? We did not go, no. <laughs> we ended up staying here. But it's something I, I'm working on it right now, just for in case if I ever want to bring her, that she's prepared and she has everything set and we don't have to wait five to six months to get her. Sometimes we don't yeah. have that much time. And right. I would never, we would never leave her. I mean, if I just travel for a week or two, I would get a dog sitter. But if I, let's say with COVID, I didn't know, will I be able to come back in a week or two? Right. Will, they, will you know, so we will not leave unless we take her. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. Well, I'm so excited about your book, What to Know Before You Get Your Dog. And like I said, I'll make sure I have links to everything in the show notes so that everybody can order that. We'll have Christmas coming up soon. That looks like a great gift. And thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun talking to you. I really enjoyed getting to connect with Margaret and talk about the difference that dogs can make in a child's life. She also very generously donated several of her books to Be More Dog, the organization that I volunteer with, so that we can use them in our humane education program. So thank you again, Margaret. It really is a beautiful book. It's beautifully illustrated. It's very cute. It rhymes. It's really perfect for younger children, you know, three, four, five, six age, to be able to have the parents read to them, read it themselves, and learn all about dogs. And like I said, make sure you check the show notes. I'll have a link to Margaret's website. You can go right to her website and download a 
dog care contract between the parents and the children, and also a dog chore chart so that kids can mark off each day as they do their chores. And I just thought that was such a cute idea. I think what I really love most about Margaret's story is that by day, she's an interior designer, and this was something that was totally out of her wheelhouse, totally came out of left field, and it was really just inspired by her daughter and her love for her daughter and her love for dogs and wanting to help other families getting a dog and making sure that they have the right expectations. I've been seeing a lot of these headlines, I don't know if you've been seeing them also, about, oh, there's this massive amount of people who adopted a dog during the COVID pandemic, and now they're like rushing to return them all back to the shelters. I will be honest that when I see these headlines, I often don't click on them, because a lot of times I feel like they're just clickbaity titles, and I sort of have like a personal policy against not clicking on clickbait titles. <laughs> What I can tell you is that, at least in Baltimore, from what I hear by all accounts, there has not been this mass exodus or mass hysteria of people returning dogs to the shelter because now they suddenly have to go back to work or something like that. I've heard in other parts of the country or maybe even other parts of the world that might be different, but it doesn't appear to be what we're seeing here in Baltimore, at least. But I think the idea of expectations around a dog is extremely, extremely important, whether it's for children or adults. And when we talked some on the Animal Welfare Roundtable, that was something that came up a lot when we talk about people taking dogs back to the shelter, is that they had some idea in their mind, this fantasy in their mind of what the dog was going to be, and when that reality didn't match the fantasy in their mind, that's when the dog's coming back to the shelter. And so I really commend Margaret for doing her part to help make sure that all parents and all children are all on the same page with their expectations and everybody's clear about what that's going to look like. And once everyone is on the same page, I actually am going to put a link in the show notes to an article I found with Parents Magazine where it does talk about all of the benefits for children of having a dog in the family. It can help teach them nurturing. It can help bond the family together. There are studies showing that it's even good for their immune system and children raised with pets have less allergies. I can tell you that I had a lot of allergies and sinus problems growing up, so yet another reason why apparently I should have had a dog sooner in my life. So if you or someone you care about is a parent that has a child who really wants to get a dog, make sure you get them Margaret's book. It's so perfect for teaching kids what to expect. And I'll make sure I have links in the show notes to both the Amazon.com link as well as Margaret's website. So thank you so much for joining me today. Remember, you can always reach me at Erin, E-R-I-N, at BelieveInDogPodcast.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at Believe in Dog Podcast and on Instagram at Believe in Dog Podcast with underscores between each word. I've been doing a series on Instagram of hashtag Pet Wellness Wednesday, where I've been sharing some of my favorite health and wellness tips for your dog. And that's been a lot of fun. I know I always say I'm like a dog health nerd, and I really want to make sure that you and your dog have as much good, healthy time together as possible. And so that's why I want to share these things that I'm learning with you. And remember, if you'd like to support the podcast, I always appreciate you leaving your five-star ratings and review on Apple Podcasts. I always have a link in the show notes that'll take you right there so that you can do that. It really does help more people find the podcast. And if you have a friend who would enjoy this episode, or maybe they are a parent who has a child who really wants a dog, send them this episode. 
And until next time, this is Erin Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs. Mm-hmm.